It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out all of our other wonderful links in the description on Linktree. This week's episode, Double Header. All right, this time we've got two wonderful topics coming at you. We had a rare tie on our Discord. As you may know, if you listen to the show, people on Discord can vote. Uh, I mean, not Discord, uh, Patreon. People on Patreon can vote for next week's topic. And this time there was a tie between Project Bluebeam and the Betty Andreessen abduction, which was suggested the Betty Andreessen abduction was suggested by Agent Brazel. So thanks for the suggestion, Agent Brazel. So we had a tie and I figured, what the hell? Let's just do a double header. Let's do a podcast where we talk about both at once. Not that big of a deal. Mm, and sounds good to me. And speaking of Patreon, if you'd like to support the show, check out the link in the description for the Patreon. We've got three tiers, depending on what you're interested in. The first tier will get you early access, ad-free version of the show, including annoying advertisements like this one. <laughs> the, the middle tier will get you bonus content, and the top tier will allow you to vote on upcoming topics. So that's right. You will be able to decide what we do next. Of course, I get to choose the topics. I mean, I'll, I'll do, usually I do like three and then you get to vote on what of the three you want to come up. So, but that said, if you want to suggest topics as Agent Brazel did for this week's, I'm always down for suggestions and I always prioritize those within reason. I mean, I have to look into it and see, is it something that you can do a whole episode on? And if it is, then we will definitely prioritize that because we want to do the topics that you guys want to hear. All right, so let's get into it. First up, Project Bluebeam. This is a fun one. Have you, uh, do you know anything about this one, Agent ETA? I actually don't. I, uh, the, the Betty Andreessen, or how do you pronounce her name? Andreessen? I think it, yeah, Andreessen, Andreessen, something Andreessen, like that. Andreessen, something yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the only one that I did uh, any research on, to be quite honest. Okay. <clears throat> so Bluebeam will be a new one for me. Uh, excuse me. It's taking a drink of water there. All right. So anyways, Project Bluebeam. Now this is a very popular theory and pieces of this theory have actually sort of trickled down or up, whichever you prefer into just sort of pop culture in general. Like this one is, it's kind of surprising at just how much it's permeated, you know, the, 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 thing in general, I guess I'm not sure how to describe it, but yeah, it's, it's sort of a major one in that way. But when you get down to it, it gets pretty interesting. So let's get down to it. This is one that originated in 1994, a gentleman by the name of Sergei Monsat published an essay titled NASA's project blue beam. And there this, so this guy was, he's a Canadian um, and he was, he had his, he was like a separatist and he had his own stuff going on. We won't get into all that, but he, he lays out project Bluebeam that he says there are four steps to the project with the ultimate goal to, this is a quote, implement the new age religion with the antichrist at its head. And he says, <laughs> without a universal belief in the new age religion, the success of the new world order will be impossible. Now, according to Mr. Monsat, Mon, Monas, Monast, yeah, oh, Monast, I'm sorry, I think, yeah. Monast, M-O-N-A-S-T. So according to Mr. Monast, there are multiple steps or stages to this project. So step one is engineered earthquakes and hoaxed discoveries. So the first part there will be a breakdown in archaeological knowledge used to disprove religions. 
And the, I guess the idea is that earthquakes will be used to destroy current archaeological wonders of the world or discoveries or locations. And then once those are gone, they will hoax new archaeological discoveries to disprove current ideas. And he says in there that movies like 2001, Independence Day, the Star Trek series, and some other ones have laid the foundations. The central theme is that humanity is coming together to repel an outside force. You know, think Independence Day, for example. So that's mm-hmm. leading, he's, he's saying that sort of the movies are laying the, the foundation, the cultural foundation for people to be ready to believe this stuff. Um, his, his essay is really hard to summarize because it's pretty wild stuff. So I'll do some excerpts here. So he says, hoaxed discoveries. What is important to understand in the first step is that those earthquakes will hit at different parts of the world where scientific and archaeological teachings have indicated that arcane mysteries have been buried. By those types of earthquakes, it will be possible for scientists to rediscover those arcane mysteries, which will be used to discredit all fundamental religious doctrines. This is the first preparation for the plan for humanity because... What they want to do is destroy the beliefs of all Christians and Muslims on the planet. To do that, they need some false proof from the far past that will prove to all nations that their religions have all been misinterpreted and misunderstood. So I read that. I'm kind of like, huh? (laughs) That's, that's what I mean. It's kind of hard to summarize what he's saying in this essay. Now, You can go to an awful lot of websites, articles, YouTube videos, on and on and on. It never ends with this stuff. But I went to the original essay because I was looking at different, like a wide variety of sources, and they contradicted each other. So I figured, let's go straight to the source and see what the source has to say. And the reason why everybody contradicts each other is because the source is about as clear as mud, (laughs) as you can see. All right, now step two is the big space show in the sky. So this step is to put on a gigantic space show using three-dimensional optical holograms projected from satellites all over the world. And here's a quote. Where does the space show come from? The space show, the holographic images, will be used in a simulation of the ending during which all nations will be shown scenes that will be the fulfillment of that which they desire to verify the prophecies and adversary events. These will be projected from satellites onto the sodium layer about 60 miles above the Earth. We see tests every once in a while, but they are called UFOs and flying saucers sightings. So that's so he's saying that UFOs and flying saucers in generals in general, they're just tests. They're not actual aliens. They're just tests of this holographic system, which kind of interesting since sightings go back a long time, even thousands of years. So mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of weird, but anyway, so the space show will show us the new Messiah, a God that will speak all languages and it will be different depending on the culture. So, you know, in one place, they would be expecting Jesus, so that's what they'll see. In another place where they have, perhaps they would be more comfortable seeing Buddha rather than Jesus in the sky, that's what it will be. That's sort of the idea he's suggesting here. And he says that they will use enough truth to convince even the most learned of the deception. So he does, he's not real specific on how that happens. He just says that, He's going to sprinkle in enough truth to convince everybody. It's going to mix truth and deception, which we all know that's a well-used tactic. Oh, yeah. At least anybody who listens to this show, if you're familiar with what we've done in the past, (laughs) that's a pretty common theme. All right. Now, some point during... Oh, yeah. Go ahead, ETA. Well, I was just going to say, we we learned that pretty well when we were uh, looking into Snowden. 
Oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah, and, uh, the art the of deception, that, that baby. Was a, that was a rabbit hole. That was a big one. Yeah, I thought, oh, we'll just go over the slideshow. <clears throat> It'll be like, I don't be like a, you know, we'll, we'll be done in like half an hour. <laughs> oh boy, was yeah, I we wrong? Spent, didn't we end up? We we could have made a couple episodes out of that for sure. You oh know, no, that we, was three we were episodes. There trying to, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I meant to say a couple more. Oh yeah, we could have, even though we. we yeah. As you can see, even though we we uh, we made three episodes out of it, it's just like you can sit there and analyze each slide, and like you can almost make an episode out of each slide. Almost, you know. I mean, well, if you wanted to, you definitely could. But yeah, dude, that that was a that was a, a really. It, it can, I was very confused when when researching some of that stuff because like you're looking at the slides and you have to look in. You have to have research different things, you know. And sometimes it's just like, what the hell did I get myself into, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> what am I looking at? This shit is crazy. Yeah, there's actually, we did do the first episode of that. We did twice, actually, because remember, Agent Orange was with us, and then he couldn't make it for the other two. So we're like, well, maybe we should just redo it without him. Maybe I'll release that first one on Patreon, because I think Agent Orange is really, really hilarious, and I think it might be entertaining for some people. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it'd be great to get him back one day. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. All right. So during the, uh, the project at some point, Project Bluebeam, they're going to use a tractor to be a tractor beam, like, you know, in sci-fi when they use a tractor beam to grab onto stuff, they'll use that Mm -hmm. to lift up enormous amounts of people to fake the rapture, kind of like how Christians are expecting the rapture. And it sort of seemed like, so devout Christians are not going to, they're not going to fall for the antichrist. They're going to be wise to that. They're going to be, you know, their faith is going to be good. And they're not going to be suckered into that kind of thing. So these people, we're just going to suck them up with a tractor beam and get rid of them because we don't want them. They're not going to fall for the plan. They're not going to worship the Antichrist. So get them out of here. (laughs) It doesn't say Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what's going to happen to them after the tractor beam gets them, but you can imagine it's probably not going to be good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now as part of this. The projections that I mentioned earlier, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, whoever that they're projecting in the sky, depending on the local culture, those are all going to merge into one God. And this new God is going to be the Antichrist, which I'm wondering how the Antichrist fits in to, I don't know, Hindu religion or whatever, but let's not worry about that right now. It's, It's the Antichrist. Now, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is this new Antichrist will explain the various scriptures have been misunderstood, and old religions are responsible for turning brother against brother. You know, in the sense I get is like brother, not necessarily like literal brothers, but actual just people against people. Because we're all kind of brothers if you think about it. I think he's, you know, that's what he's sort of suggesting. But anyways, here's another quote, because again, this stuff is really hard to, uh, you know, paraphrase. Naturally, this superbly staged falsification will result in dissolved social and religious disorder on a grand scale, each nation blaming the other for the deception, setting loose millions of programmed religious fanatics through the demonic possession on a scale never witnessed before. In addition, this event will occur at a time of profound worldwide political anarchy and general tumult created by some worldwide catastrophe. The United Nation, even now, plans to use Beethoven's Song of Joy as the anthem for the introduction for the New Age One World Religion. (laughs) So, all right, that's some pretty wild stuff there, man. And it's, he doesn't explain why they would use Beethoven's Song of Joy and it's a nice song. It's a good song. I like that song, but does that, does that song, would that work for people in other countries who are not as familiar with European music? You know, yeah. I don't That's know. That's a fair question to ask. Well, and so far, at least like the, the way this is being described, like the, it sounds like the way he's talking is from like a, a Western perspective or a Judeo-Christian perspective. You know, some of the yeah. words he's uh, using, like, well, for example, Antichrist, you know? Yeah. That fi- that figure, that Antichrist figure isn't present in all religions. So how would, I don't know, that, that a lot of it, yeah, kind of doesn't make sense. But, I mean, I digress. Oh, oh that doesn't Sorry make sense. Okay, well, just, 
hold on to your butts because it gets uh, gets better. <laughs> so this, I have another quote here for step three. Um, again, reading through this, I'm like, huh? I don't know what what the fuck is he even talking about here. So I just I just did a quote here because maybe you, dear listener, can help me understand this. So step three is the advancement of techniques propel us toward the third step in the blue beam project that goes along with the telepathic and electronically augmented two-way communication where ELF, VLF, and LF waves will reach each person from within his or her own mind, convincing each of them that their own God is speaking to them from the very depths of their own soul. Such rays from satellites are fed from the memories of computers that have stored massive data about every human on earth and their languages. The rays will then interlace with their natural thinking to form what we call diffuse artificial thought. There's a lot to unpack there, right? Yeah. So first of all, ELF, VLF, and LF, those are radio waves, frequencies. Those are bouncing around all the time. How they could (coughs) use that to control people's minds, unclear. But the idea here is that they're going to get you to think things that you don't even know that aren't even your own thoughts, right? They're just going to control you remotely and get you to do stuff that's against your will, but you don't even know it's against your will is sort of how I think it is it to how I kind of look at that, you know, like with their natural thinking to form what we call diffuse artificial thought. I don't know. That's what I, I sort of think that means, but this that's a lot of this stuff is vague enough to where you can interpret it to however you, th- whatever you think it means, it could mean that, you know? Uh-huh. And it would take uh, quite a bit of effort, resources, and technology to accomplish any of this, really. And it's like, does he mention, and maybe I'm getting too far ahead here, does he mention, like, who's behind this, supposedly? NASA. NASA. Oh, that's, oh, goddamn, idiot. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> well, <laughs> NASA ain't got that kind of resources, man. It's being done through NASA, but it's sort of like the New World Order is doing it, right? Yeah, okay, like, okay. The globalists. Yeah, the globalists. He doesn't say who those people are specifically, just this shady cabal of New World Order, globalist type, world domination, you know, that sort of a thing. But he he's not more specific mm. than that. So okay. under this new system with mind control, orbital mind control lasers, as you know, <laughs> if you prefer, nobody <sighs> will be allowed to have an individual personality. At some point, we will all just sort of be machines or robots just will have to go along, you know, and anybody that dissents dissenters, they will be sent to UN eradication camps, you know, these Mm -hmm. sort of concentration camps. So anyways, that's another way of saying that if you don't go along with it or somehow you're able to break free of this mind control, you'll just be murdered basically. Hmm. Now there he does tie this into project MK ultra and he quotes or a quote from the essay in his book, the body electric Nobel prize nominee, Dr. Robert O Becker describes a series of experiments conducted in the early 1960s by Alan free, where this phenomena was demonstrated as well as later experiments conducted in 1973 at the Walter Reed army Institute of research by Dr. Joseph C sharp, who personally underwent tests in which he proved he could hear and understand messages delivered to him in an echo-free isolation chamber via a pulsed microwave audiogram, which is an analog of the world's sound vibration beamed into his brain. Becker then goes on to state, such a device has obvious application for covert operations designed to drive a target crazy with unknown voices or deliver undetectable instructions to a programmed assassin, uh, assassin to a programmed assassin. So yeah, I mean, that's stuff that was probably, I'd have to look it up. I didn't look it up in this case, but he might be referencing like real studies and stuff, but it sounds very speculative, you know, like this should be able to use in this uh, capacity, but we haven't deployed it in that capacity yet Mm -hmm. so more yeah it's it's pretty far out there 
Yep. So more MK Ultra stuff. It has been demonstrated that focused <laughs> ultra high frequency UHF electromagnetic energy beams can be used to induce considerable agitation in muscular activity or induce muscular weakness and lethargy. Microwaves can also be used to burn human skin and aid the effect of drugs, bacteria, and poisons or affect the function of the entire brain. These effects were all revealed at length by the CIA on September 21, 1977, in testimony before the Subcommittee on Health and Scientific Research. Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, who directed the MKUltra program at that time, was forced to discuss the scope of the CIA's research to find techniques of an activation of the human organism by remote electronic means. So this is something that exists right now that has been pursued to its highest degree that can be used from space to reach any person, any place on the face of the earth. End quote. Now, we that talked makes about, my butt pucker, to be quite honest. Yeah, we've talked about <laughs> like, Project MK Ultra, and this—the thing about Project Bluebeam is there are things in here that are true. But I wanted to read a lot of these excerpts because if I just say this is what it is, it doesn't really do justice to what this guy is actually saying. You know, you need to hear it in his own words. Now, I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing just excerpts. There are a lot, there's a lot of stuff I'm skipping over for his essay, but I just wanted to sort of get the flavor of it and what he's doing. So he's actually referencing real things that we did. A, we did an episode on project MK ultra. And as, as you say, ETA, it does make your butt pucker what, you know, what they were trying well, and, to and do. Also, also not just like, cause there's, all right. So there's a little, a little bit of information that we know about some of these programs. We know that they actually existed, you know, and there is some truth there, but what about like, well, I always think about what we don't know. It's oh, like yeah. when people talk about like the, uh, the technical sophistication of say, for instance, like our air force or something like that, or, you know, when, the, when people talk about like experimental aircraft, I'm sure there's plenty out there that we've never seen that, you know, or any kind of technology that the government might uh, be in possession of or have developed who knows what the hell is out there? I mean, the, your imagination will go wild with this stuff because we just don't know. You know, I mean, you know, you, we may never know, and, or it may take quite some time for a lot of this stuff to come out, like uh, certain technologies, like it, like in, is as is tradition, right? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's like what, what, what are they capable of doing that we don't know about? I have to think or, or you know, presume that. There's probably some pretty serious technology uh, technology that our government is in possession of that. They just, you know, it's just not out in the public eye, so we don't know about it. But if this thing has any kind of, like, uh, potential, then you know the government, I mean, there's, there's untold trillions of dollars are missing from, you know, the, 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 the government's budget, you know. So, I mean, it's who knows what that's being spent on, you know. And to me, that's like a really big red flag when, you know, it's been proven that there are trillions upon trillions of dollars that are missing from the budget. And, you know, you see how much... Uh, know that the, the uh, I'm not sure what the current debt level of the American government is, but it's, it's, you know, trillions upon trillions. I know that I know back in, uh, what was it like, I think when nine 11 happened, wasn't it already like $15 trillion or something like that? It's been, been a long time. So I might be wrong about that number, but I know it's, it's a substantial. It's probably, I think the last time I remember seeing something, something about it was like, it's like over $25 trillion or something. I don't but, know exactly you know, what it but is. At any rate, that's just, but the last time I might be, don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> I don't know what the exact number is, but I remember the last time I looked into it, this is years ago. Uh, I was reading about it and what I, from what I read, it said that the, um, the, the amount per household was something like $70,000 per household. And it's like, <laughs> you're never, you know, you're never, you're never going to pay that off. $70,000 per yeah. household. Are you kidding me? Well, and, and, what I was getting at too is I remember that uh, before nine eleven happened, um, there were congressional hearings about the missing money in like the the uh, I think it was the defense budget I believe if I'm not mistaken, and uh, I remember like Donald Rumsfeld was you know they're just sitting there joking and cracking jokes and you know like just you know freaking bullshitting basically, like it didn't seem I remember watching some of those hearings you know because you know it was recorded for the public and or broadcast to the public. And uh, they didn't seem to be doing anything seriously. Yeah, they weren't taking it seriously. It didn't, didn't seem like to me. But, I mean, 
what I'm getting at, my point, I guess, is is that we know that there's substantial amounts of money, you know, that is missing from the budget or, uh, you know, when they spend like, for example, like $15,000 on a toilet seat for a government, you know, facility. Yeah. All right. Well, it's not really being spent on the, on the toilet seat. That money's being snatched up by, you know, like black ops programs or whatever, you know, you want to call right. it. Zork but, I mean, Manifold I says that's a, that our deficit is 31.4 trillion. <laughs> <laughs> wow god damn that is i'm in the wrong business guys you know <laughs> right how how nice Dude, that's that's how luxurious would a fifteen thousand dollar toilet seat what do you do to, to a toilet seat to make it oh that? it's not about it's not about what <laughs> what you can do to toilet seat it's, it's, it's about what that toilet sheet seat better be able to do to you okay you know yeah i know well i'm <laughs> guessing so it has to be self-heated it has to be like kind of nice and velvety and cushiony, but at the same time, it has to be made out of a, an exotic material like gold or something or diamonds. Diamonds, yeah, it's got to be diamond encrusted. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that is an insane amount of money. Just, just freaking insane. Our yeah. Goal. That's like wow. more money than actually exists, probably. That's a lot. <laughs> I don't know how much yeah, money exists. I have no in the idea what those, you know? yeah. I have no idea, but it's, it's, that's a big chunk of it, at least, at the very least. Yeah. And the crazy thing about it, too, is that, like most of that money that we owe, the vast majority of it, we owe to the Federal Reserve, which yep. is a private entity that prints money for us. Somehow, some way, our government doesn't have the right to print its own money. I don't know. That's a, we've talked about, about this before, obviously, but yeah. I still like to this, I just, I can't, I can't, can't wrap my head around it. Like, why? <laughs> well, I know why, obviously, you know, control, but. I, st I still find it very freaking crazy that that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I did want, I wanted to, always wanted to do another episode on banking stuff. We should do one sometime because that's the, I mean, there's so many things to do. Like the, um, like what was it? Like the 1908 crash that they engineered just to fuck with politicians to make them do what they wanted. Or I don't uh -huh. know. There's, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot we could do in the realm of the federal reserve, but Let's get back to Project Bluebeam because yeah, got off on a tangent there. It is cold out here, and I would like to finish this episode at some point. <laughs> oh, okay. So the fourth step of Project Bluebeam will be—I uh, guess it has three parts. For part four, four point one. The first part is going to be a fake alien invasion, and this will be—I guess—the point is to get nations to use nukes to fight back. And then because they use nukes, you could say, oh, that was naughty. And then you could use that to disarm them because they use their nukes on the fake aliens. I guess I, I'm not really clear on what that one's about. I don't know. Hmm. And the second part of the fourth step would be, like I said earlier, oh, okay. This is where they rapture the Christians. They suck them up with the tractor beam. I guess that's when this happens. And because the Christians would stop the NWO from happening, I guess. I don't know. And the third part is... Uh, here's a quote. The waves used at that time will allow supernatural forces to travel through optical fibers, coax, electrical and phone lines in order to penetrate to everyone at once through major appliances. Um, oh, penetrate. I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what that means. I'm just, you know, so that's the third part, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> um, and I guess sometime around here, there will be an engineered economic catastrophe and this will be used to replace all paper currency with electronic currency, like perhaps Bitcoin, you know, uh -oh. dun, 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 you know, where's that suspenseful hamster or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That meme. Yeah. Now <laughs> classic. here's my, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. So if some people decide to not go along with it, they go off grid, they don't want to partake. What are you going to do if you're living in the wilderness? Where's your food supply going to come from? It's probably, you're probably going to hunt, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they thought of this. The NWO thought of this and they implanted wild animals with microchips so that they can be controlled and they can control the animals and prevent anybody who goes off their grid from hunting them. <laughs> That's... Huh. And interesting. That's it. I mean, how many wild animals are out there? How are they implanting them? How is this going to work? Wouldn't it be, I mean, and, wouldn't it be, and there's waste? plenty of air. Sorry. 
I was just kidding, wouldn't it be way simpler to find the people who went off grid and just kill them than to implant every animal with microchips? Yeah, you'd think so. And also, it's like there's plenty of hunters and, and outdoorsmen type folks out there nowadays still, you know, and, and especially in some like, you know, the Midwest or all over the place, really. But you'd think that they would uh, witness this type of thing happening. Like, it'd have to be a pretty damn big operation that, you know, you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to hide that, you know? Yeah. All right. Now, the, the last paragraph or the summary of the whole thing is the new technology is designed and built to track down and control people everywhere. This technology is being manufactured for a specific purpose and to refuse to see and recognize that purpose, which is to enslave the entire populations of the world, is to deny the emergence of the Antichrist and the establishment of the new world order religion and government. If you cannot see, if you cannot learn, if you cannot understand, then you and your family and friends will succumb to the fires of the crematoria that have been built in every state and every major city on earth, built to deal with you. No one is safe in a totalitarian police state. So, yeah, like I said, those are just highlights, man. This is some pretty wild stuff, but Mm -hmm. like I've, I felt like I had to do some quotations from the document, the original document, because a lot of people have distilled this to its most interesting points. For example, the fake alien invasion or what some people call a false flag invasion, which it's it's sort of not really a false flag, but that's maybe splitting hairs. I don't know. But people use a lot of ideas from Project Bluebeam But when you get down to the source, you get a completely different picture of what the original idea was, right? Now, uh, so I I didn't look into this, but supposedly Monsat and some people, Monsat himself died of a heart attack when he was 51 years old, which is pretty young as yeah. far as, I mean, that's fairly young for a heart. It happens. It does happen, but that's fairly young. And some people around him, friends and family, also died of heart attacks at a young age. And a lot of people say that these are, you know, basically hit jobs or NWO-induced heart attacks, essentially. And this further fueled the, the conspiracy. But um, I, it just the reason I didn't look into that, because it would take a considerable amount of effort to verify that these people even existed, let alone how they died or if they are still around or whatever, you know? So Mm. I just, I just didn't have time to do it for this episode, but that's one idea around this. And that's easy to say is that, oh yeah, him, his wife, his kids, they all died of heart attacks, strangely. And it would be very difficult to disprove that. You'd have to do a lot of legwork, you know, legwork that might possibly include, actually calling people up and asking, did your sister, aunt, cousin, whatever, die of a heart attack or whatever, you know? And Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't want to be bothering people like that in, in getting those people's contact information in the first place. You know, in other words, this is stuff that's not public knowledge. You know, it, it would be very, it would be a lot of work to verify. So I, I didn't go down that route because I just didn't have time and I didn't have the inclination either. Now, if you're going to do a skeptical look at this, Monsat doesn't provide any evidence for any of these claims. He just uses really vague wording. He sprinkles in some truth or some things that are related like, you know, MK Ultra. We know that's a real thing. So he'll sprinkle in some of that stuff. But there's not really he doesn't provide really any evidence there. So people have Yeah. people will point that out to disprove him. Um Several dates for this thing have been proposed, have come and gone without really any incident. So it's one of these things where they've predicted several times now, this is, it's going to happen on this date. That date has come and gone, didn't happen. And I think that has been predicted again in the future. There's probably, you know, one predicted for 2025, you know, who knows? There's probably books written about it. I don't know. So it turns out that, or some people have pointed out that there's a strong resemblance between Project Bluebeam and a script for a Star Trek movie that was never made into a movie. I get it's, I was going to say unpublished, but it actually, the script has been published. People are aware of it, 
but it was not made into the movie. I'm not sure how you would designate that, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Now, in this movie, there's a spaceship that is, the spaceship is an AI remnant of a race from another dimension that comes to Earth and hovers over the planet and sends down fake people or holograms that look like prophets like Jesus and Muhammad. People receive telepathic messages of a returning God and stuff like that. It's very similar to what he said is going to happen in Bluebeam. There are some differences. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but you can see how it may have inspired Project Bluebeam. Now, most, if not all of the major themes of Bluebeam can be found in previous Star Trek films or TV episodes or just science fiction in general. And there's just many parallels there. So deception using holograms, alien invasions, religious deceptions, um, all this sort of stuff that he's talking about. You just put it in a blender with MKUltra and boom, you get Project Bluebeam. So that's kind of it. Um, in In my opinion, this guy seems a little unhinged, you know, if you read what he actually wrote. And it seems sort of like either something he was kind of making up as like a science fiction kind of a story or maybe he's sort of unhinged. I don't know. There are parts of it that are compelling, but overall I'm not buying it. It's just, it's a little far fetched, you know, especially at the time it was published. I don't think we would have had the technology to do this sort of thing probably still don't today to do this sort of thing on a large scale. Although, you know, like we're saying, Project MKUltra, I mean, they were trying to do mind control, the Manchurian candidate, all that stuff. And I I saw in the news not too long ago, we had a bunch of shootings back to back and they were of people who did these mass shootings who don't fit the typical profile that you see for a mass shooting. Like there was back to back, like a couple days in a row, like within the same week anyways, a couple of elderly Asian men shot up stuff in America. And I'm like, huh, elderly Asian men. That's not your typical demographic for, for mass shootings. You know, it was just weird. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look at the mass shooting cases, I don't remember any of them in the United States anyways, being Asian. I don't know. Kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, 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 it's definitely a weird thing. And you could see like the mode, the motive that, you know, may be in play here. Like, for example, if you wanted to de-arm a population, you could have, you know, it, it's like similar to what happened in Australia after a mass shooting, they, they use that as an excuse to, you know, mandate that people had to turn their guns, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the benefit is obviously there. If you have an unarmed population, you have that much more control over them. So, you know, yeah, who knows I'm, what tactics are being used to that end? I'm not familiar with that particular incident, but I, I mean, it sounds interesting. I'd look like to look into it, but yeah, that's the thing. I think that's why it's still around today is because there are a lot of themes in here that people can relate to or identify with, you know, and with especially these religious themes, I think that appeals to a lot of Christians and kind of draws them in. But at the end of the day, I, I'm I don't know. I'm just uh, I think it's. That's uh, a bit much, you know. What do you what do you think of uh, yeah. Project Bluebeam there, ETA? It would be quite the thing to accomplish. Like I said before, the amount of resources, the amount of people that would have to be involved in it to in order to accomplish something like this would be just out of the realm of possibility. I think you know what I mean. Yeah, it just it doesn't make sense. And some of it, like you were saying before, some of the the stuff that he mentions is compelling and, and actually kind of does make some sense and has come. To fruition, like for example, the um, digitalization of, of currency. That's that's currently happening. It yeah. wasn't happening back then when he first put this out. Well, right? so that that is kind of one of those things where you have to kind of stop and think. It, it was beginning, right? It kind of, it kind of was. So we're um, not cryptocurrencies, no, <clears throat> but digital currency in the sense that you know most dollars were imaginary and stored on computer ledgers rather yeah, than okay, actual yeah. paper currency. So it depends on how you look at it. But back then they were doing what you might consider digital currencies. But then again, you might also be like, oh, he was totally predicting cryptocurrencies. 
I don't know. Maybe he was, mm-hmm. you know, that's the thing. There's a lot in there. It's like Nostradamus, you know, where it's, mm-hmm. it's vague enough. He's not specific about any of it. He didn't say cryptocurrencies, which is a very specific thing. Cryptocurrencies is a D uh, like a, it's a decentralized currency. So it's like the opposite of what he's saying. What he's saying is a centralized digital currency that one government can control cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. or most of them are decentralized you know bitcoin in particular is not controlled by any one entity and it's designed to be that way on purpose it's not controlled yeah. by any one government there's no developer there's nobody out there who has total control over bitcoin so it's sort of like that it's like it's like like i said like uh, nostradamus he made these claims that you can apply to a lot of things but he didn't specifically tie them to those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But all right, well, yeah. that so was it just seems a little too far fetched. That's all. That was Project Blue Beam. It was a good one. It was a lot of fun. But uh, I'm I'm skeptical myself. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm just not I'm not buying it. Anyways, let's get to the Betty Andreessen abduction. Betty. Every time I hear the name Betty, I always think about uh, Freddy Got Fingered yeah. the movie by Tom Green. <laughs> Jules, Betty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like kings. <laughs> oh, that movie's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's an acquired uh, taste. You know yeah. I mean? it's. Well, I think many people may not enjoy it. Let me okay, ask you something, you know? ETA. Do you have a LeBaron? I wish I freaking did. And I don't know what year that LeBaron was, but I would love to have one with a license plate that said number one son. I would I love it. I don't see two LeBarons here. I only see one LeBaron ETA. <laughs> you know, I need a baby blue fucking topless yeah. uh, convertible LeBaron. That's, that's, what, that's what I need in my life. I, I can't imagine those would be too expensive too. You know? Yeah. Probably you get one for pretty cheap. Probably get one for pretty reasonable. Yeah. But let's, let's not go down that rabbit hole. We'd be quoting that movie all night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? Mm. <laughs> All right, let's stop. Let's yeah. stop. Let's do Betty Andreessen. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're about to yeah, yeah go off the rails here. Completely derail this thing. Yeah. All right. Do you want to get us started on the Betty Andreessen abduction here, Agent ETA? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is a very popular case. A lot of people know about it, and it's no wonder why it was suggested, you know, because uh, it's it's a... A very interesting case and it involves an entire family, but one woman in particular. So basically the story begins on January 25th, 1967. Um, so what basically Betty Andreessen, I, I, I keep on having pron- uh, pronunciation problems with that. I don't know if it's Andreessen or Andreessen, but at any rate, she, along with uh, her family, were, were hanging out at the house in um, Ashburn, Burnham, Massachusetts. And um, they noticed like a flicker in the lights. And so she was there with, with uh, um, her, her, herself, her husband, and her mother, father, and seven children, right? No, her husband was, was seven children, right? No, no, yeah, her husband so. was in the hospital. And, um, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I knew that for, as I was saying that, I thought I was, I was like, oh, that doesn't, I don't remember that. But. He'd been in a really bad car accident. So he was not yeah, there and her parents were there to help her take care of the kids that's and right. do all the stuff she needed to do and kind of support her because she was by herself there. Yeah. Well, seven kids. That's a, that's a lot of damn kids. You know? That's a lot of kids. It's a whole heap of kids. Yeah. That's a, that's a, yeah. All right. So anyways, um, so the, the lights flickered and went out in the home and you know, her, her kids, everybody noticed it, but the kids got a little, I guess, like just, you know, uh, scared by it for some reason. I don't know. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me to quite honest. Like if the lights flicker in your house, why would you get scared? So as the story goes, they all kind of went into the kitchen and, you know, the kids were, were nervous about like, you know, uh, the lights flickering off or what have you. And, uh, her father notices now I've seen two different descriptions of this. I've seen that it was either a pink light or a red light. It was so a, he notices like a red light outside the window. It was a red orange light, according to an interview with her hey, that ahead. I saw. Okay, but okay, yeah. So red yeah, orange. Like I said, that's like a, that sounds re- like reading pink about to this. Me. I've seen. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's all kind of similar. So you know, it's it's still in line there. Yeah. So he notices a light outside the window, and uh, he looks out the window, and he notices like what he had described originally as being like like a 
short little like Halloween characters. Like people, he thought it was like people dressed up in freaking like a, a costume or something. Right. Yeah. He thought it was kids and, dressed um, up in spaceman costumes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he notices that and doesn't really think much of it, even though to me, it's like, this was in January. So I was like, well, you know, as I'm reading about this, it's like, well, I would be kind of like, what the hell? Like, why, you know, why are people dressed up in costumes outside the freaking house here? That would make sense. It's not October, right? Yeah, that so would be. At any rate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I see. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, yeah. It'd be. It would be. Uh, I would take note of that, but I guess he doesn't, and um, you know, he didn't really do anything about it. So, uh, the uh, the story goes that, and and this whole story, by the way, that has been told, um, Betty didn't like like tell the whole story at the time she didn't immediately remember what happened i guess after it happened and you know none of, none of the family members did either besides her her uh you know what the father had seen and also uh, her one of her daughters had rec- recalled some stuff too but not until like way after so the um the story goes like from what she uh, described that basically her whole family was put into a state of paralysis you know, like in a suspended state. And, um, she had gotten taken onto like a, you know, gotten, uh, abducted by these aliens. They had walked through like the, uh, was it a wooden wall or something like that? that they had walked through. I right? saw various descriptions, but yeah, basically. So the, the, her father saw them and they bounced or levitated in a bouncing manner towards the house. And when they got there, they just sort of phased through the wall. Like they just sort of yeah. kind of came through the wall. Like they, as if they were fading in and out of existence and the creatures themselves had large pear shaped heads. They were three to five feet tall. They had gray skin, almond, almond shaped eyes, holes for ears and their noses with a slit like mouth and a very small neck. And their hands only had three fingers. They were wearing blue tight-fitting suits, and they had an eagle insignia on their upper arm. So that's sort of what what they looked like. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that, that would freak me out. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? But yeah, they basically just floated right so through yeah, the they, walls. Um, yeah. yeah, so they floated through the walls, came in, they had everybody like in a, a suspended state. They took Betty um, onto a, what, what she described as like a classic like uh, saucer, like like UFO, you know? They took her in there and they performed a series of, of procedures on her. And also uh, she claims that they took something like out of, out of her head that was already in there. And then they, they, uh, they, 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 she, she didn't like talk to him for a while from what I remember. And then um, she had like a lecture kind of with one of them that she, she described as being like the leader that she thought that it might be like the leader of the bunch. Cause this guy was like, uh, this alien was a little bit taller than the other ones, but she, um, describes like, cause she's a, a you know, she, she's very, a very religious individual. And so she, she describes the, the, uh, whole ordeal as like a religious experience. And only later did she start like, you know, integrating, like, you know, talking about it, like they, these were, you know, aliens, UFO and stuff. Yeah. But she says that, uh, yeah, go ahead. You're going to say something. Oh yeah. I was going to say at, at one point I read that she said that the, they were actually Christians, the aliens, you know, or that they worship mm-hmm. Jesus or something. I don't know. But yeah, she seemed to have some very strong, you know, religious connotations associated with this whole event. Mm-hmm. So at any rate, she says that, um, let's see, I'm sorry. I, I lost track of my, my notes here. Okay. Well, I'll talk about, there there was one event when, while they were still at the house, before they took her away into the UFO, they actually, they were, so she says that she got a sense of like peace and calm and she felt that they were angels and they sort of, they, well, they communicated with her telepathically, but she was sort of confused about what they wanted. She couldn't really understand it at first. And they gave her like an image or a thought or whatever. And she thought that they wanted burnt meat and that, you know, so she went to the kitchen and she started mm. making some burnt meat for them. <laughs> and when it started to smoke, I guess they got a little startled or upset or something. 
And then they tried communicating with her again, indicating they wanted knowledge tried by fire. And she thought this meant the Bible. And she said, the writings of past ages had been tried, questioned, and survived, were filled with wisdom and knowledge and sought after as food for body, soul, and spirit for hundreds of years. And she felt compelled to go with them. And she also floated through the wall. She doesn't know how, but she yeah. was floated through the house wall or in some accounts, the door frame or the door or whatever. And she was floated onto their ship, which was like a classic flying saucer shape. And it also had large crystal orbs on board, which she was allowed to view by their leader, Quazga. Quazga. Q-U-A-Z-G-A-A. And I have this quote from her from an interview. And she said, the craft was silver colored, saucer on saucer shape had large cut crystal-like orbs, which I was allowed to view when the leader Quazga dematerialized the outer skin surface of the lower part of the ship. A smaller orb was at the top of a metallic stem. This same stem held the lower large orb as well. Two armatures, two-thirds of the way up the stem, held another crystal wheel that revolved around a clear tube filled with some gray liquid. There were three or four of these type machines in a circle under the craft. The craft had set down on a slight slope in the backyard and four legs were adjusted somehow to level the craft. There were orange red lights pulsating from the ship. I don't think anybody else saw the craft the way it was parked on the small hill. Even my father, who was the first to see the beings come to the porch, would not have seen, would not have been able to view the vehicle for he was looking out the front pantry window, not the back window. So that's just a little little tidbit I have there, you know, while she was getting on the craft or whatever. Mm -hmm. So did you want to continue there? You said you found your place in your notes, ETA? Yeah, but they're not, they're not great notes, though, <laughs> as is tradition. <laughs> so right. so uh, she described the craft as being about 20 feet in diameter. And uh, like uh, Agent Anderson had said, uh, the classic UFO shape, you know, and um, she felt, uh, she described that she felt that uh, after she had got on board the craft, it joined like a mothership, like, like it went to a, like a different craft that was much bigger, but she didn't really go into detail very much about that from what I understand. Where, yeah. So she, when she got into the mother craft, yeah, go ahead. I say, yeah, there's some confusion on that. There's some, you know, she did say that she felt that the smaller craft she was in moved like it shot upwards, but also it's sort of like, she's not sure if it's bigger on the inside, you know, like the TARDIS or if it actually went to another ship. She said she believed that she was uh -huh. actually transported to another place, not necessarily a ship, but it's, yeah, like you're saying, it's pretty sort of inconclusive. We don't really know. She's not clear on that part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when she describes, uh, undergoing like a physical, a physical examination and um, she she describes like going under like a series of like uh, bizarre tests is uh, one of the words that I, I think she used. And uh, some of the tests, like like one in particular, like it hurt at first, and then but like the pain uh, quickly subsided after after the beginning of the test. And like I had uh, said earlier, like uh, she describes also having like an uh, object being extracted out of her head, not put in. And a lot of people like when they describe UFO abductions and these type of bizarre events where they, they go under examination or they have procedures done to them. A lot of them describe um, being something being installed into them. But she actually said that she had something taken out of her head, which I actually find kind of interesting. That's, that's, that's a, not always the case. You know, there's, there's not too many cases where you see people describe that in particular, you know? Yeah. So after the, after the uh, examinations, um, she describes being like ta like talking to uh, a being that she almost just like she kind of says she well not kind of she says that like she thought that like this was like uh, an embodiment of God, right? You you read about that? Yeah, one of the creatures she met. Like he tells her that she, she's like the she's the chosen one. Yeah, she described that creature as the one. And she felt she was talking to God and that creature told her that she was the chosen one. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I find that I find that's, that's, that's pretty damn interesting. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, wow. 
You don't hear that in too many uh, alien abduction stories. No, you do not. Yeah. So, so at any rate, um, after you know going through this whole whole ordeal, um, she's returned to her house, and uh, she uh, didn't she say like it was something like she thought it was like three or four hours or something like that. Yeah. Of of you know the whole the whole event. Yeah. She and saw, she's brought back yeah. to her house where she finds. She finds her her entire family still like in a state of paralysis or you know a suspended state, and um, there is actually one alien that that was a uh, that stayed behind, and she says the alien stayed behind to like protect her family basically to make sure like nothing happened or maybe to you know be a lookout to make sure nobody no you know comes to the house or what have you, you know and, and notices that that you know you have a whole family in their freaking kitchen you know just in a suspended state, you know if you wanted to keep something. Uh, secret then you know you might want to you know have a lookout but she says that like uh after like like uh this happened or you know towards the end of it they they described to her that hey you're not going to remember this initially but uh, at a preordained time or what have you you're, you're going to start remembering this again uh because you know we, i think it, to me that that sounds like like uh if this is a real deal type thing you know that they didn't want the shock of the event to immediately, you know, they wanted to like, you know, her to remember things gradually. So it might not affect her too badly. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I thought of that. Well, yeah. And they, but, she was told like, you'll remember this when it's time, basically when you're supposed yeah. to, you'll remember this. Yeah. 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 So, and it's kind of a funny thing too, cause like, uh, most, uh, the, the majority of this information that she described um, she only described, what was it like eight years later? I think in, was it was 1977. Yeah. 10 years later. She had actually, uh, answered an, an ad. Yeah. She had, she had, uh, answered, answered an ad from, uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, actually of all people. And he, yeah. he was basically putting a, his feelers out there for, you know, um, to the general public to see if there's any uh, abduction stories that he could, uh, investigate. And initially he, um, he didn't invest, investigate her story, Say, you know, possibly he was looking for something different, you know, but uh, once they did start investigating, it was like a 12 month investigation, I think. And that was, well, from what I understand, it was pretty thorough. Like they. Yeah. Heineck, yeah, go ahead. Heineck did not actually investigate it. So yeah, you're right. I think it was eight years later that she wrote a letter to Dr. Heineck, but he ignored it. He, there were certain details in the case that, you know, he sort of didn't pay much attention to it. And then two years after that, she went to get a hypnosis section with um, Raymond Fowler in 1977. So 1975, she mm -hmm. wrote a letter to Heineck. And then 1977, she was hypnotized by Raymond Fowler because she forgot almost all of yeah. it. But she remembered, you know, the lights. She remembered the creatures. And that was it. She didn't remember anything else. Now, after being hypnotized, she actually recalled multiple other experiences including before and after this experience so that would be where that yeah, going thing, back to her childhood too yeah right? that thing that they removed from her head was a tracking device that they had implanted on a previous experience now there's a famous book that was published by fowler called the andreessen affair and you, so you can read all about this. I think he published like four books altogether about this thing or something, but he, uh, he did some, so he did some hypnosis, hypnosis and got some of those stories out. And that's, uh, that's pretty much like a condensed version of the whole thing. We left out mm -hmm. some stuff. So they, you know, like, for example, they gave her a book, but where this book is, I don't know. And there was that. Oh yeah, that's right. There was that strange experience she had on the ship that seemed sort of like an acid trip. And there's a couple other couple of other details. But I mean that was pretty much in a nutshell. That was her abduction. And she she has this whole religious association with it. And yeah. it does seem like her daughter did some Becky did some interviews and she remembers some of the details. And it, it seems like there's some corroboration. But on the skeptical side of things, some people have pointed out that um, her her story has changed over time and not just minor details. You know, like if you're telling a story many, many times and then 
you know, people are like, okay, we'll pay you for an interview to do your story. And you tell them, okay, well, oh yeah, it was three aliens. They're like three. That's all. Uh, four aliens. It was four aliens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. a minor detail. I don't know. It doesn't really matter that much, but no, I'm talking about stuff like what the aliens actually looked like or things that actually happened during the abduction experience. There are significant differences between different interviews. Her story has not been consistent at all over time. So that's one thing that skeptics have pointed out to sort of poke holes in it. And in February of 2007, her son, Robert Jr. wrote an email that the whole thing was a hoax. And he said that his father was an alcoholic liar and his mother needed psychological help. (laughs) So um, now who knows? That's not, just that, just him accusing her of lying is not necessarily evidence in and of itself, but it is sort of interesting to take with a grain of salt. Now, mm-hmm. looking at this account, I do believe that she had a strange encounter, but I wonder if she interpreted it in a way that is not necessarily what actually happened, you know? Like maybe the experience was so traumatic to her that, you know, she interpreted these beings as being angels and things like that. Or, I I don't know, this is a really weird one, and it's really hard for me to wrap my head around, and part of me wants to say, it's all bullshit. She's just making everything up, and there's a lot more to the story, too. So her second husband was also supposedly had experiences with aliens and was abducted and stuff. And was a good old Bob Luca there? Yeah, yeah, he seemed to be... Uh, not necessarily the most res- reputable individual and seemed to be, yeah. he seemed to want to cash in on the whole thing. I'll just say that, you know, and she did make money on her story. You know, Fowler did, uh, apparently give her money for the book that he published and that kind of stuff, you know, Raymond Fowler. And there's a lot to this case and I'm not a hundred percent convinced that, any of it is real at all. Any of it's legitimate, but on the other hand, it does seem like something strange did happen. I mean, there, so there, there apparently really was a power outage that night and I don't know, stuff like that. So there, there are some grains of truth in the story at the very least that we can find, but it all comes down to these people's testimony. You know, Uh, I didn't see any neighbors who also saw a UFO or anything like that. This is not a case where you have multiple witnesses outside of the family, you know, and I didn't see there's seven kids, but I didn't see a whole lot of the kids other than Becky talking about it. So I don't know. This is a weird one where it's basically just one or two people's words and you have to decide for yourself whether or not you believe what they're saying. What Mm -hmm. do you think about this one ETA? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm right along there with you. It's uh, one of the things that kind of stands out as far as credibility goes is that the only sibling that I ever heard any quotes from or what have you was one of her daughters. You don't hear anything from the father, not that I saw at least. And it's kind of basically just her saying this story and claiming it. And well, if that's the case, like you would think that like some of this stuff, you know, at least some of the kids you'd have some testimony from, you know? Yeah. It's a very wild story. A very interesting story, and it definitely piques, you know, the imagination, you know, to think about, you know, if this is true, what she went through, you know, would have been quite the experience, right? But there isn't enough grains of, like, ev- like actual, ev- there's no re- actual evidence. That it's only the story that she's basically saying, you know? So, like, there, there's other cases where, you know, whether it be an abduction case or, like, a sighting of a UFO, what have you. And there's actual tangible evidence to, to be had in some of these places, you know, some of these cases. But here, from what I've seen, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, like there's no real evidence here, you know? Nope. It's an exciting story, like I said, but I, I just don't, there's there's not enough there for me to give it any kind of grain of truth, you know what I mean? To actually believe the story, you know? Yeah. I wonder so, if... Yeah. Yeah, that's, I basically don't believe it. Part of her experience aboard the spacecraft or the mothership or whichever it was, she describes what sounds an awful lot like an acid trip. And um, I wonder yeah. if, let's well, say. And also, like, de- 
delusions of grandeur. You know I mean, some some people sometimes, you know, it's it's a uh, they come up with well, these wild stories, and there might be a little screw loose. Let's you know? let's just say that hypothetically, she went through an experience of something, right? Maybe she was abducted, but the experience was so traumatic that it kind of broke her mind, and the only way that she could cope with it mentally was to come up with this this idea that it was a religious experience, you know, and that she mm-hmm. met God and she was the chosen one and that kind of a thing, because this would be an incredibly, potentially incredibly stressful or traumatic kind of a thing to happen to somebody. So that's one of sure, the things yeah. I speculate about to myself is what if this happened in a way that's different than what she describes, but it's sort of, you know, kind of messed with her head to a degree to where, you know, her mind filled in the gaps in a way that she could understand, a way that she can reconcile what was happening to her. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But yeah, so all right, that was pretty much all could we have be. for that one. And uh, yeah, that's so that's our double header or uh, double feature. I think double feature header sounds like a document or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll title this one double feature. So, all right, before we get out of here, we got a a couple of advertisements, which one of them I'll probably edit into the middle of the episode there because I want to, you know, put it in the middle. Makes more sense than having two at the end. All right. Mm -hmm. Do you like t-shirts and other merchandise with our awesome logo on it? Well, check out the link in the description for our t-shirt store, TeePublic. That's right. Phone cases, stickers, all kinds of wonderful stuff. Check out the descriptions or the description. Check out all the designs. Some of them, um, Agent Redacted did put a few extra designs in there. I might delete some of them. He kind of went buck wild with that stuff. <laughs> like, what is this? I let him put some designs up in there. He just kind of went berserk with them. But yeah, there's there's a couple different designs. He did do some really good designs too, but some of them like that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Like, what is that there? It's like a car or something. I don't know. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> but so I might get rid of some. But anyways, there's some cool stuff there if you want to check it out. They often, they'll have sales and whatnot. So take a look in the description and get yourself a t-shirt. And before we get out of here, why don't you check out, I mentioned earlier, there's the Andreessen, Andreessen Affair. So if you'd like to know more about the case, you can find this book on Amazon Link in the description. This is an affiliate link. Your purchase helps support the show and doesn't cost you anything extra. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Could we Keep get a- it strange. <laughs>